Uh, please accept my humble obeisances, Prabhuji. Thank you so much for coming to ISKCON Sydney. We, we've been anticipating very um, excitedly your visits, so thank you again for honouring us with your presence, and thank you also for joining us for this interview. And just we'll start off with a, a question I'm sure you've answered a bajillion times. Um, just for our new viewers, uh, could you share how you came in touch with the devotees and sort of how you joined Yeah, so you can't really come in touch with Krishna consciousness until you're somewhat ready because if you come in touch with it before you're ready it doesn't register. It's like looking in a bakery window but you're not hungry. It's, it's, you just look at it and it, it, it'll look good but it, you can't relate to it because you're not hungry. So through my experiences, it came to a point where I became hungry for spiritual life. And as soon as I became hungry, Krishna made all the arrangements. So I ran into the Bhagavad Gita, I ran into the devotees. Everything just lined up at a time when I needed it most. And then it culminated in me meeting Prabhupada. So I first met him in Bhagavad Gita, and then I met him personally. And I was fortunate enough be living in a city where the devotees were teaching Bhagavad Gita two nights a week and of course having Sunday feast and every day they were on the street doing kirtan so I practically saw them every day and I was desperately looking for spiritual life and so Krishna just arranged it I could tell the story for 45 minutes but I think that'll suffice that when a person is ready Krishna will send everything he needs to be Krishna conscious. And before we're ready, even if he sends, it won't register. But everything we're doing in life is, you could say, preparing us to be ready. Yeah. So. And what year was that? That was 1969. 1969. So that was another question I was hoping to ask. Um, that was a different generation to the generation that's right now joining or growing yes. up in ISKCON. Yes. Um, what sort of differences do you find with this next generation compared to the initial well, one? There's different, there are some similarities, but it's funny to have, or to say not funny, but it's interesting to have lived through all of that because vestiges of that generation and what we did continued and it still, still continues today. The people today don't want to, most of them don't want to be hippies or they look at hippies and they think they're weird, but they don't realize that a lot of the principles of hippie life are kind of mainstream in a sense, the, or at least becoming more mainstream. So for us, like interest or fascination with Eastern philosophy um, was very prominent, as it is today. I think maybe the big difference was, or the two big differences, there was a a very strong interest in understanding life purpose and very strong desire to change the world. So today there's more, people are more into lifestyle change. They're not as philosophical as we were and they're maybe not as revolutionary as we were. And we were more, I think, very committed to what we believed. So if we believe something, we would stop everything else we're doing. And that's why many of us dropped out of university. Because we believed in Krishna consciousness, we wanted to pursue it, and we wanted to make a career of it.
we didn't want to incorporate it as a lifestyle. Of course, most of us were young, so it was easy for us to do that. So that's not that it's wrong to do that, but that's a big difference in that generation. If, if we came upon something that was true, we'd say, okay, I want to be part of it, give my life to it. What we believed, we would live. It wasn't like we were thinking we believed it, but had a different lifestyle and kind of adapted a little bit into our life. It became our life. And so that was good because Prabhupada needed people who would do that. And if we were all just incorporating Krishna as something along the side of our life, there would be no one to have spread it. So I think Krishna arranged that mentality for that generation. If you believe something, you give yourself to it so that we could give ourselves to it. And then Prabhupada had his thousands of soldiers, foot soldiers all over the world, which we see happening less now. If it happened then less, uh, it would have been very difficult to do what we were able to do. So with that, you um, come to that there's less of the sort of revolutionary spirit and it's a bit more complacent now. Um, would, you say, would you say that's something that um, we need to reinvigorate within the movement? <laughs> well, you, yeah. no, definitely Prabhupada came to create a revolution. So however you see it, you can, you can stay at home, create your revolution at home, create your revolution with your friends. The idea of revolution was that Prabhupada's vision was the Krishna consciousness that can solve the problems of the world. He came to change the world. He came to change people's lives. So however you do it, according to where you're at, at what speed you do it, that, that's up to the individual. But the, the reason that Prabhupada started ISKCON uh, to make the world Krishna conscious, to, to change the way people thought, that spirit we have to be connected to. If we lose that, then we lose the purpose of ISKCON. Then ISKCON could evolve into many other things, ordinary religious organization, uh, very social and cultural organization, very Indian or Hindu. It can evolve into many things that it wasn't intended to, to evolve or to become. Prabhupada intended to create pure devotees who would go around the world and make other pure devotees and, and thereby gradually, one by one, we would change the way people live and think. That's what he wanted to do. So if we lose touch with that, then we're lost. So how we live our life is, is secondary, but the main thing is, is to understand why it's going to exist. And in any company, when they lose the why, then the mission drifts away. So that's, that's a danger that devotees in future generations may lose that spirit of, of why Prabhupada came and, and Prabhupada's vision of, of changing materialistic consciousness into spiritual consciousness. So um, with, with that, um, to keep that sort of emphasis or um, drive, um, with the current generation, what sort of, um, or the current generation coming in, what, sort, what would you say is the Bigger, some of the bigger problems that you'd say they're facing or that they need to address? <laughs> One of the biggest problems is the, the world is, is a lot worse off in many ways. In some ways it's better, but it's a lot more materialistic. So I think the biggest challenge um, for people coming to Krishna consciousness now is just the culture that we live in, the, the, the intensity of materialism and the, the social pressure, because now with social media, we're being more programmed than, than we were. We were programmed through movies, television, and music. Now you have 
more programming through all the forms of social media. And that's a challenge because that media is telling you you're the body and you can be happy with the body and you're and everyone's being programmed by it. So when you want to become Krishna conscious, because your friends are so programmed by the media, they'll think, oh, you're crazy, this is wrong, and so forth. So that, that's one thing. And then similarly, if we're trying to give Krishna consciousness, we're giving it to people who are also much more programmed by materialism than our generation was. In fact, our generation was opposing materialism. So we had a very, um, a, a very different audience. We would, you know, like sometimes Prabhupada would say something like, you know, if we just eat, sleep, mate, and defend, then our lives are like dogs. And people would find that very offensive, but our generation liked that. I go, yeah, they're all dogs. That's how we thought. You know, we, we were very much anti-establishment. So if a girl comes and says, all these people are dogs, I go, yeah, they're dogs. So it's, uh, you know, we were in a different frame. And, and today, frame of reference, and today uh, it's not so much like that. It's more like people are fitting in. So you have to, you know, nothing wrong with fitting in and having a career, but we have to be careful. The environment is, it's, you know, when you're around materialistic people, their values, their feelings, their vibration can affect us. So that's, that's a challenge. I think the other challenge is what I just said, the understanding who Prabhupada is, why he came, what his mission is, what his vision is, what he's teaching. If we don't read his books sufficiently or hear from him, We'll lose connection with that, and then we'll see us gone maybe in a, in a relative way, relative to ourselves and our friends, and what's happening in our local temple, which may not give a picture of the of really what Prabhupada came to do. Yeah. So those issues you'd say are more up and coming issues, not up more recent issues. Are there more um, perennial issues that you'd find address uh, need to be addressed by each generation? but that the current one is still falling into? Well, it's different everywhere you go, but the, the perennial problem is that we have to be Krishna conscious, and if we're not, we can't help other people Krishna conscious. So, so that problem, if I do A, B, and C, then I think the world will be Krishna conscious, but the A is we have to be Krishna conscious before the B, C, and D, E, F, G... Um, that's always going to be a challenge and it's always easier to give people Krishna here's a book, here's prasadam here come to a program than it is for us to be an example so first thing we have to the perennial problem is always we have to be an example of what we teach and if we're not an example of what we teach then people they can't take us seriously the problem we're facing in our culture today is people are very allergic to religion and God so we have to be able to spread Krishna consciousness in a way that they don't see it as a, some kind of sect, sectarian religion or a bunch of rules. Um, we have to be more sensitive to that now than probably ever before because people are always ready for Krishna consciousness because Krishna consciousness is their nature, but they're very resistant now to religious, to rules, and you have to and you should. So we have to be careful about presenting Krishna consciousness as rules. Prabhupada never wanted us to do that. It's a science, it's a way of life, it's a philosophy, it's a, it's a practice you can incorporate in your life. That's how we have to present it. And then let people come. Uh, when we were young, in the early days, any, practically everyone interested that showed you know, sufficient interest 
we would preach to move in the temple. That was the only alternative we knew. It's, it's not like that today. That's not how people think. So we have to be patient with people and let them come. Maybe some will be out here, some in here, some in here. Um, but we don't want to shove rules and regulations and religious ideas down their throat because they'll run away. So that's, a, I think, a significant difference. In my generation, if you talked about God, no one would run away. Now you talk about God and some people, it makes some people uneasy. So, you know, of course, Krishna is God. We can't avoid it, but there are ways of de doing it that, uh, that um, require sensitivity to how people think. We have to know how people think. And therefore, you can, you have to know what people need, and then you can give them what they need in a way they can digest it. So, and would you say with the way outreach is approached would be, the, would be one of the reasons why we're seeing more um, ethnically homogenous groups coming in, we're seeing a little less diversity among bringing in, say, the ratio of people coming in during the temple is far less, um, has a far smaller percentage of Westerners um, mm -hmm. joining. Would you say that that's an element of it? Or? Yeah, because uh, just to give some history for those who don't know, here in Australia, in America, Europe, the movement was, when it began, was like 99% local. Because there were very few, <clears throat> I don't know about Australia, but I think it was it's the same in Australia, there were very few Indians in the country. Prabhupada uh, came in 65, that's when Indians were allowed in America. So be, and so, you know, when I was a young devotee in, in some cities, there were like three Indian families in a city of a million people. So, it was all Westerners. The Indian was the oddball. So, as society changed, there were appearing more groups. Buddhism became popular, yoga became popular, and, and other varieties of Indian philosophy became popular. We had competition we never had before. And um, our program was very attractive to Indians. And it was very attractive to people of the 70s. But when the 80s and 90s came, wasn't as attractive to those kinds of, that was within the lifestyle shift was coming and people were looking for spiritual solutions, how to become peaceful, how to, you know, overcome stress, anxiety, depression. And um, these other groups were catering to that and so people were starting to go to yoga to calm down, de-stress, do Buddhism, vipassana, meditation. And kirtan was even becoming popular and we weren't even on the forefront of that, which was very unusual. It caught us by surprise. So we didn't make adaptations. So society was moving a little bit this direction. We kept going the same way. And our, the way we were going was perfectly suited to Indians. Artiques, festivals, prasadam, kirtans, you know. Everything in the temple was just, it was perfect for Indians. It was their culture. But society was going away from religion, looking for more of a lifestyle shift uh, experience, looking for experience, looking for solutions, and we weren't offering it so much, so we were losing the local. So yes, if you want to attract more local people, you have to think of innovative ways. Uh, some places have started their own centers, whether it's a neutral environment, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a religious organization, it looks like a, a place of learning, knowledge, experience. So those are things we can think about. That, um, where people feel comfortable 
just sharing, meeting people, learning about life. Um, that can work very well, or just coming for kirtans and gradually learning. Um, in your, your own outreach, or whenever people generally say Mahatma Prabhu, um, most people would think, first off, um, the sort of like japa sem seminars and interpersonal mm -hmm. relationship classes and, of course, kirtans. Um, is there a sort of, uh, how exactly did they become your uh, forte, oh, okay. to put it that way? Well, there were two reasons. I was looking for a way, well, I could say one way, I, I was interested by nature in looking at how the emotional, psychological effects the spiritual and, and seeing, seeing many devotees not doing well spiritually, not because they're spiritually weak, but because they're most emotionally unbalanced and it was affecting them. So, and, and having to counsel devotees, and most of the problems were not philosophical misunderstandings. They were more emotional, psychological, or relational, or social. So that was one thing. And I had studied a little bit of psychology, and I found certain things were missing in my life. There were certain distinctions I wasn't making, or things that I never learned as a young devotee, or learned in school, or my parents taught me, that helped me. So I saw that it helped me. I would share it with devotees. Even when it came to japa, some things were psychological. Like, don't even, I don't even care if I go back to Godhead. Well, if you don't care if you go back to Godhead, why would why would you chant good rounds? So even on that level, we have, to, we have to look. And, you know, seeing it in myself also, when I would chant bad rounds and I'd feel like I don't care. Why don't I care? I don't care about myself. Why don't you care about myself? It's a psychological thing that I don't care about myself. I should care. So um, also I saw that I wanted to reach people through spiritual solutions to their problems. And I thought, well, we could, we could attract a broader audience if we had solutions. So like when we did the forgiveness course, it has so many elements of Krishna consciousness in it, but it's in a context of you have a problem, we can solve it. So that was the idea, solving problems through spiritual solutions as a kind of a, a testing of how to give Krishna consciousness in a different way. This, this, there are some side benefits. You'll attract people that you wouldn't normally attract. They could digest the philosophy because they're digesting it in terms of, of improving themselves, not as just a philosophy whether I agree with it or not. And an interesting side benefit, if those people become devotees, at least they don't have, bring in a lot of the baggage of resentment and not being responsible and so forth that they would normally bring in because they went through the course. So they're a little bit clean on that level. So. That's also nice. When they, when they come, they're a little more emotionally stable. Or we have courses on marriage, so then they make better partners because they went through the course. And so we've used it both for devotees and non-devotees as a, uh, an experiment to bring people to Krishna consciousness and also to help devotees, which has helped them a lot, actually, in my experience. Yeah, so springboarding a bit from that, um, just uh, for a little sample of the sort of things that are addressed in those uh, seminars. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> for all those wanting to improve their relationships with others, uh, would you have a, maybe a top five, a top three, or well, points of advice? One of the things that I've focused on in my workshops is not skills, but changing consciousness. So, so if I give you a skill to use 
with someone and you have a bad relationship with them, and if you don't really like them or get along well with them, you may not use that skill on them because you just don't even like talking to them. And I've just taught you how to communicate and you say, that I don't even like being with that person. So I would rather teach you how to respect and appreciate and, and see what's inside of you that's creating this resistance to the relationship rather than giving a set of skills. So in all my workshops they focus more on changing attitudes and consciousness. So if you want an example of a relationship um, exercise, the way we look at it is just you ask yourself if, if that other person was me and I had to have a relationship with me, what would be difficult about having a relationship with myself? So rather than looking at what's wrong with that person, I look at how difficult it may be in certain ways to have a relationship with myself and then try to change to make it easier for the other person rather than trying to change the other person, which never is going to happen or unlikely it will happen. So I focus more on introspection, see what is going on inside of you that you can improve rather than pointing the finger at someone else. And if we all do that, it's going to be good. And if we all point the finger, nothing's going to improve. You want more? Just one final <laughs> question. Sorry. Just finally, um, you have a program coming up tomorrow regarding how to better one's japa. Uh -huh. What sort of things can we expect from that class? Um, you can expect you can expect to have your head spin. <laughs> you can expect to see things. Hopefully you'll say, oh, I never thought of it this way. I never chanted this way. I didn't realize um, I could do any better. Uh, I didn't notice the mistakes I was making. That's a different, it's a much different way of looking at japa than, than most devotees look at. And it can, it can have dramatic effects on the quality of your chanting, which will have dramatic effects on your Krishna consciousness, which will then have dramatic effects on your life here and thereafter. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Jai Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.